This is a Think Live Be production. That's what anytime I don't sleep well during the night, I can identify that I had an afternoon coffee. And so I've that's mm-hmm. what I've been trying to kick that habit um, slowly. We're reading that book about habits. We are. It is not helping me. <laughs> I like I really like the book. It's it's helping me build those habits like you can't you have to standardize a habit before you can optimize on it. So like that's new for me to learn. Like I can't build on a habit if I don't even have it as a habit. Well, like in that book, they talk about the cue, like where there's a certain trigger that sets you off to whatever that bad habit is. So like the afternoon coffee is something I want to stop because it has a negative impact, like it it had for you last night or this morning, I should say. (laughs) Till 3 a.m. today. There's boogeyman in my bedroom. (laughs) Um, So I want to stop it. But I'm so used to going for it gets to be that certain time of day and there's a trigger I was probably just being sleepy. <laughs> it's like you get to a certain part of the day. You have, you've had lunch, you've been working all day and that trigger kicks in. And so you have to notify you have to like notice what that is that causes you to have that bad habit in order to then break it. And then from there you've got to be a better person than mine I am was because just, I haven't been able to figure it out yet. Mine was just lack of discipline because I haven't had coffee in like three weeks. I oh, have well, an espresso why. machine at home. I've only made tea from it, from the hot water spout. That's all I've ever had for the last three weeks, taking it to the office. Oh, well, that's so, why. So it's, like so it's not it's not that you're getting older. It's that you haven't had espresso true, coffee uh, in a while. Yeah, that's you what that You just got to work on the habit and the discipline. But speaking of habits and discipline, what are we talking about today? Well, so are we recording? Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so we're recording our podcast and we're actually not going to talk about habits and discipline and all that today. Um, we're, we're, we're always seeking our best. That's our podcast. That's the title. As we try to overcome the hurdles in the real estate industry. Um, so I'm, I'm one of the co-hosts. My name is Catherine Stelgis and across from me is my director of operations, Kayla Boundy. Hi. And then our, um, sound engineer, producer extraordinaire, Patrick Fatika. Hello. I said it right. You did. (laughs) (laughs) And we're actually going to talk about scripts because these, these are things that I think everyone including myself and you we can all do better yeah and it's really important that we do mm-hmm. <laughs> that will make us more skilled at our jobs the job part of the the day right because we have a business to run and then we have job duties and scripts allow us to stay on track with those job duties and make sure that everything happens yeah our scripts are basically just a uh, another system Right, so that so that you don't have to think about it (laughs) because of what you're going to say or how how do you deal with this or how do you do? It's like there's a script for that, and then you just do the script and then you move on, and it it allows you to not have to think about all of those things. I 100% agree, and I I think if I remember um, in one of my bold classes, one of the one of the bold laws is like um, spontaneity is a conditioned reflex. I could have said that wrong. If you're really into bold good for you. And I probably (laughs) said that wrong, but, um, I never really understood what that meant until the bold coach was saying that that was his favorite, you know, bold law, so to speak, because that's what it means is that 
you can be, you can work on the fly and, and, and be really, um, authentic and yourself in conversations. If you have a base knowledge of what needs to happen in those conversations built into your brain and that's the script. So I totally butchered what he explained in the class, but the point is, is the script is the outline for the conversation so that you don't have to think so hard to get the things you need. Right. From the other party. Right. Exactly. And knowing, knowing those scripts inside and out like that makes it so that, well, it's just like any other script, right? There's a beginning and a middle and an end and it has to follow an arc and there's a goal to hit at the end, right? So the scripts are all built around achieving a goal. So once you have the understanding of why you're doing the script is to reach a certain goal, then, then you can use them to your advantage which i never realized for years Mm -hmm. (laughs) i did not like scripts for years until like six months ago i was like wait a second it's been years um no but when i first started that's that's one of the first things you learn about is scripts because it's a sale like as you you get into real estate you become a real estate agent or whatever your whatever role do you or anyone you know Want to buy a home, to buy or sell a home home today. (laughs) But it's a sales role, so you hear scripts and you think sales, and like you're in inauthentic. Well, you feel like you feel like right. It's that's that's inauthentic because it's a script that everybody else is using. You're a robot. These are right. It's robotic and it doesn't sound like me, and I don't talk like that. And these are all things people say. Yeah. Oh yeah. Including myself. Oh yeah. And many years ago. Because that's, I guess that's just their objections. If you don't come from a sales, a strictly sales background, you associate scripts with what you know of sales, which are people calling you and bothering yeah. you on the phone. Telemarketer, they're, they're, yeah, and it's not. That's that's the the that's the McDonald's burger version of <laughs> of 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 scripts. of scripts. You know what I mean? It's like that is not. Well, a high, like, again, you want to be your best. So you, you need to look for the scripts that allow you to deliver the, or not even deliver, to ask the right questions, to get the right answers that you need to set an appointment or get the, whatever the goal is of that conversation. And so when you, when you get on the phone with somebody and they want to sell you something and they're talking at you, like you ever get that phone call where it's like they start talking and they don't stop for like two minutes. Right. And you like you want to just hang up. And I used to hang. <laughs> now I let them talk and I'm like, I'm yeah, that was a lot of talking. <laughs> that was really bad. Yeah, You're, you're critiquing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now you're I critique the salespeople. It. Sure. It's why people call. in the movie industry have a hard time watching movies. Yep. Yeah. Because they're just critiquing how it's all put together. Well, now once you know the secret behind it. And what they should right. be doing, then right. it's really hard to listen to it and be like, Ooh. "That's terrible." Ooh, you you yeah. didn't win me over. Well, and I get we get a ton of sales calls, oh, yeah. like so much, so many sales calls trying to sell us something for real estate. And so often they're like, "Are you interested in getting more leads for your business?" And it's like, "Well, yeah, but I, you, I have no idea what who you are, what you're selling, but probably I'm not going to buy it from you on the phone like this." Is this a monthly service or is it by lead pay? Wait, what do you? That's because oh. I'm the one <laughs> who screens the sales calls, <laughs> and they ask me that because they want to talk to you. But in reality, you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> but th- but think about it from that perspective. Like you, that's how we associate sales calls, and so when we have to do it to other people, 
then we right. feel like, well, I don't want to do that. That seems, I literally had somebody um, that worked with us once before and she felt uncomfortable and sleazy calling people. But it's like, this is part of the job. And if you're doing it right, it shouldn't be, um, it shouldn't sound like a, a, a script or a sales call. It only sounds sleazy because you're not believing what you're saying. That's the one issue. That's one. You're in your issue. head too much, right? Well, it's like, why would it be sleazy? What What makes it sleazy? It, what What you think is sleazy is because you're not trusting what you're saying or believing what you're saying, yeah. And you feel like you're pulling a fast one over on somebody, so it feels sleazy, right? Mm-hmm. If you believed what you were saying, that's the, it. Wouldn't it? Wouldn't be sleazy. It would. You would believe it, and it would because you were telling the truth. That is the biggest thing when I. Now, now that I appreciate scripts and have learned to love them for what what good they do, um, and I'm teaching someone else, I have to. That's what I have to remind them is, and I think that's kind of the switch that turned on for me was when I realized like I'm helping these people, mm-hmm. and you mean the clients, the clients, yeah, I'm help- potential clients, right? I'm I'm helping these people. I know that I'm very good at what I do, and if you have that confidence and know that we're we're here to help these people and I believe in what we do and I believe that we provide a very high level of service then then it becomes like why wouldn't I call them and ask them if they need help yeah right. I know I'm going to do a good job for them I'm going to help them out but so you have to there is a certain amount of mindset behind yeah. it that you have to believe what you're that's saying the first and step. yeah that's the first step and then the script just keeps you on track to get to the goal of what the script is, whether that's setting an appointment or what, whatever the script is for. There's a million scripts for a million different things. But they, at the end of the day, like if you look in a book that has scripts on it, it says these are scripts for open house leads. These are scripts for FISBOs and stuff. So they all have a goal. One of them is to set a FISBO appointment and one of them is to set uh, a, a buyer consultation or what, whatever, um, but they're written in such a way to get to that end goal, right? Well, so they can keep you on track from the very first thing that you say to the very last thing, with the goal being setting the appointment. Well, which and maybe you even can, I would. It's really easy to get off track if you don't have those uh, steps in place. Can I give you an example? Yes. Okay. Literally, because like five minutes ago, I called a lead. And nice speed to the lead, <laughs> speed to the lead. I would like one minute, boom, um, call the lead. So she was inquiring about a specific property. And once, so once you call that person, all they want are the details of that property. <laughs> so how do you get from, I'm going to give you the information you want, but I need something in return so that I can understand how I can best help you and then determine what the end goal is because it's not always set an appointment, right? So in this example, I start asking her questions about she lives in a different state, like why are you moving here? Do you own a house? Blah, blah, blah. All those questions that are part of the script. And the whole time she's like, what about this house? And keeps pulling me off track. And she's like, well, what about this house? Can you add a porch? (laughs) Can you cover this lot? And I'm like, what are you talking about cover? But anyways, um, the whole time she's trying to pull me off track of the script. So you have to just, 
you know, answer the question and then say, so tell me more about, you know, why is that important to you and pull them back into the series of questions that you need so that you can figure out if you can in fact help them. So at the end of that call, I find out that this woman is actually looking in a different city and she just happened upon this listing that happens sometimes with internet leads. Mm-hmm. They they open up the map too far. They're like, I like this house. <laughs> right. The, and they're four towns over. Right. But they don't know because they don't live here. Well, right. And then they, they want, they're like, well, you know, they're interested in a meeting and you have to say, well, that actually isn't going to work. However, I can set you up with somebody who possibly can. So but even that's the script, right? Is well, not, that's the, is like I can set you up because what the, what does that do? Now all of a sudden you've got a referral that you can hand off to somebody, but that's because you have a script to remember that versus an agent who is maybe younger, doesn't have the experience, doesn't have the scripts, and they go, "Oh, I can't help you." Okay, good luck, thanks, bye, and they go, "Ah, oh, I should have." I could have had that as a referral after you've hung up the phone and thought about it, if it even comes to their their mind. But you have scripts that you have memorized to know that when I hear this, then I go to this script. Well, it, a script is kind of like that. If this, then that. Right. Like if they answer, okay, so let's just run through a quick script like a, a buyer lead. If they answer, um, if you say, okay, um, now are you, do you have a home to sell or are you currently in a lease? If the answer is home to sell, then this, right. then, then you, then you right. move to a different script. If it's a lease, then you move, then you go to the next question or, you know, which would be, when does your lease end? Right. <laughs> um, how soon do you need to be there? Whatever. So it is kind of the, it is a system of basically cues of like, if this, then that, if this, then that. And if you memorize them and internalize them, then it becomes where I can have, like, she asked me all kinds of other questions and I can provide those answers and get a little bit off track, but still get to the end of the conversation with, I know what next step needs to happen. Right. It's about, this is not exactly the same thing, but a lot of like television shows like and movies and stuff like Curb Your Enthusiasm, or uh, a Christopher Guest movie like Waiting for Guffman or whatever. Those those kind those are really rough scripts, and they improvise. But they know, and those are all improvised scenes. But they know we need to hit, get hit start here. This is the conflict that needs to happen in this scene, and then this is the resolution so that the next scene makes sense, right? So, but the only way to know what to do. And to be able to improvise, like you're talking about, like talking about a bunch of different things, is to have that script so internalized and to know exactly where you need your marks to be so that you can make it your own and make it feel real instead of like you're reading a list. Well, and I think what going back to like what people don't like about scripts is they do. They feel like it sounds robotic. They feel like whatever. So they immediately try to change it before right. they've ever even learned right. it. Make it make it sound like I'm going to change the script so it sounds like the way I talk. Right. And rewriting it and stuff. Right. Yeah. If you've ever been on my team and you're listening to this, that annoys me. (laughs) I have for the admin side of things, we would read it word for word, how awkward it would be for a week straight. And then she'd rewrite it to add her words specifically, but not change the structure of what needs to be said. But specific words like awesome. She wouldn't say awesome all the time. She'd say, (sighs) okay, great. Well, yeah. So, yeah, like, those I are, do. Those, those are flourishes. That's not changing the the, the meat. Script. Right. You're not actually changing the script. And you can't start changing the script on question two because you don't know it well enough to know that actually the way it's written on question two influences question nine. Right. 
then you don't, you can't, you can't internalize it yet because you don't know it. So don't start changing it right at the beginning. Well, and then that is kind of like what you were describing as kind of like a transition in a script, you Mm -hmm. know, like I say, okay, great all the time too, because it's just, it's kind of like when you work in a restaurant and you're supposed to have like a a couple of um, things to upsell, you know, you're supposed to pick the ones that you like and that you can remember and like you can describe. So same thing for those little and even some of the questions, because some questions can be worded differently and still be the script. So what works best and what sounds the best, you can choose as long as it hits, again, it hits the right question and it hits the, like, it has to be open-ended. Yeah. Um, unless it, you know, every now and then it could be closed-ended. But for the most part, you want open-ended questions and then those transitions should be those natural, natural things. Like, yeah. I do say awesome. And... I like saying awesome. <laughs> um, so I use that or I say, okay, great. So what we need to do next is blah, blah, blah. I say that all the time. And that's just a transition to the next thing, whether it's a question or, uh, okay, great. So it sounds like we need to set an appointment to get together, blah, blah, blah. Those kinds of things though, those transitions, and then even like the tie downs that you use and embedded commands. Well, the embedded commands should be kind of written into the script, I think, but the tie downs, you can choose which ones sound the most natural to me. Do I say, um, so a tie down is in language of sales, like it's a way to get someone to agree with you. So it should be at the end of a question where you want someone to say yes. So if you, you're trying to get somebody to meet with you and you let's say you um, often say, sound good? Mm -hmm. That's a tie down. And if it feels natural to you and you feel like you can use that at the end of sentences, then that's your tie down to use going forward. But if you prefer, what's another tie down? My brain's blanking. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? That would be, and that that works really well for um, different things, I think. I I use that a lot with clients. It makes clarity. Does that make sense? And then when they say yes, I can move on. And if they say no, which sometimes they do, then I know I need to get into more detail. Yeah. Well, so if you're so trying it's to. Like a, yeah, it's like a you can kind of like draw the line and say, OK, now we can move forward with the next thing. Yeah. Sound good. OK. OK is a tie down. Yeah. And maybe if it feels natural at the end of the thing, you you could say, OK, great. So we'll get together on Tuesday at 5 p.m. OK. OK. <laughs> Sounds good. Because you're because then they say yes. You're well, right, because they're not going to say, say yes. no. Right. If you say if you, especially if you say that's why I love sounds good so much because I feel like people aren't going to say no. That sounds terrible. Yeah. Like they're not going to say no to that. Who would say no to that? So knowing the 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 question this does not sound good. <laughs> I will not be meeting with you. <laughs> knowing the questions is the key part. Keeping them open ended. And then using tie downs and embedded commands throughout to move them through to the to achieve the ultimate outcome of either setting an appointment, getting them with a referring partner, or maybe just setting a expectation for follow up in the future. Because not every person needs to meet with you right this second. So, but you can only know what's what you should do with that lead if you can get through the script and the questions, and then know okay, if this then that. Mm-hmm. Right. They're they're 10 months out. If that, then great. I'm going to call you in, in five months. <laughs> in five months. I'm going to follow up with you periodically until the right time. Sound good? Sound good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> exactly. Um, so so, yeah, I've learned to love them because I think that it it by internalizing them, it allows me to know what I need to say when I'm talking to someone. 
and that clarity around that I think produces more appointments. It produces um, confidence. Was there better a, results? Was there a time where it just kind of clicked and you're like, "Oh, I get it," or was it a slow process of of it, like it coming together and then you're like, "Oh, this worked for this, so maybe I can use it. Maybe I can use scripts for this other thing too." Or what, how did it? How did it all kind of? Because I remember when I remember hearing objections to scripts from you mm-hmm. a long time ago about why you didn't like them and all those things. And then all of a sudden it was, you know, I looked up, it was three years later and you, you've got all of these scripts internalized and memorized and using them. I'm listening to you use them. I think, um, honestly, we've talked about this before. There was some time where I started treating real estate like a business. And when that happened, when I started shifting into this is a business and what do business people do and started reading and researching others and trying to see what other people do and then just relying on like, hey, these people have already figured it out. And if they think that script and role play is one of the top five job duties of a real estate agent, then I should probably lean into that and learn more about that. And then the more the more you learn and the more you practice, the more you appreciate why they exist. Right. So what I, I guess what it would be is is not is letting go of your own ego and hubris of I can figure this out on my own. I know all these other people did it this way, but I don't need that. I can do it this way instead. And once you kind of came to the realization of, oh, these people do it this way because and they're successful because they did it this way, maybe they do have something to say. I do about think, this. you know, thinking back, like what you just described is what most people experience in their first few years of real estate is like, and uh, Gary Keller, I think he describes it pretty well in the MREA book where he's talking about you can't, you don't get to get creative with things and do things your own way until you've built a foundation. Yeah, you have to master the fundamentals. Yeah, master the fundamentals, figure out what what is actually necessary to succeed and then you get to get creative and say, "Cool. I really like um, you know, I really like this and I'm going to go take language of sales and actually write my own scripts." It's like right. you shouldn't be writing your own scripts if you don't understand the point. What yeah, what is an embedded command? What are tie downs? And I did, I'll tell you, I took language of sales um the the maps coaching class. I found it Okay, let me say this is an honest review. I found it very sleepy. It was because it's not like I am. I don't. Um, I don't need to. What am I trying to say here? I don't know. <laughs> I. It's not something of interest to me. I find it to be a useful tool. So I'm like, you know what? I don't really want to learn how to write my own scripts. I don't really want to do that. I want to learn what's important in the script, and so I kind of. As I was taking that class, I kind of took a step back and, and realized like this scripts are not my thing in terms of I don't need to write them. I'm going to use them for what they are good for. Yeah, somebody else already learn the ones that somebody else already yeah. wrote. Yeah. And and then just master can, those. Yeah, you could you've you picking your you're picking your own battles of where your creativity is gonna lie in create in in building your business. Right. And it's not we as we talked about last week with marketing and 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 design and stuff that's where your interests are so just use what other people have done you that have been proven to be successful in something that's not a huge interest to you and that's good enough yeah well i think as you 
start to grow as a real estate professional and you're looking for ways to be your best, it does come back. What are your strengths? And then leverage the crying. Uh, leverage crying. <laughs> no, that's her strength. strength. Oh. There's no crying in real estate. I don't know I'm how just, many times I have to say this. I'm I'll just a high M. Okay. <laughs> but oh my goodness. Sorry. <laughs> but whatever your strengths are, like follow up on those and really hone in on those, and then everything else. Leverage what other people have already done before you, and do those like. There's mm-hmm. a million scripts. You know, you can go just type in real estate scripts and go find some really good ones on Google. Um, if you're on Kel- if you're with Keller Williams, just go to KW Connect and you're going to find yeah. thousands. And, and I would assume that big brokerages have the same thing. Like, no, you- never. No. <laughs> no comparison. Well, no. you know, we, you're saying about like about writing your own scripts and not knowing like trying to improvise on stuff before you have the fundamentals down reminded me of like, you know, I went, when I went to school, went, there were, we had, that was the whole point of art school is the fundamentals, learning the basics of how to draw, right? How to learn perspective, how to do all of those things. Um, And I can always tell when somebody didn't go to school and learn those fundamentals and my biggest pet peeve is always somebody who is a uh, abstract painter <laughs> and but never learned how to draw like they just lean on this abstractness because they never put in the time to learn the fundamentals and i can tell because of composition and uh uh value and color and uh, color choice and all of those things, I can see, oh, they never learned the fundamentals. Even when painting in abstract forms, you can still see that. And what a lot of people don't know is that Picasso was a savant when it came to realistic painting and realistic drawing. He could draw photorealistic still lifes. I mean, like you couldn't tell the difference between a photograph and his painting, right? And that he could do that when he was 14 years old. And so he had gotten to such a point of the fun of knowing the fundamentals to such a degree that it allowed him to go and do other things. Right. But you have to have that. You can't just start on day one and say, I'm just going to wing it and make it my own without having those, those basics. It's like, you it's not possible to do those things. Well, and I, I say like you could, okay. So as a brand new agent, you could go call a bunch of people and, maybe get lucky with somebody who wants to buy or sell a house, right? You could do that without a script. Just call and be like, hey, I'm in real estate. Sure. Do you do you know broken, anybody? Broken clock is correct twice a yeah. day, right? Well, that's what I was going to say. You can get lucky, and but is that how you want to run? Like what I've always, like as, as we've grown and um, I've figured out what a business is versus just selling houses I want consistency. I right. want to keep working at figuring out See, what works the best so that I know what I have to do every day to the only get way consistent to, results. Yeah, it's the only way to have a business plan and to be able to make projections of what your business is going to be at the end of the year. Yeah. Is to be consistent. And then when I get consistent results and I feel stuck, I need to figure out what the next right, thing of break the ceiling <laughs> to break that ceiling. But uh, but one of the fundamentals is is always scripts and role play and I think um we can get more into that. We should probably yeah. Let's take a break. Take a break. Yeah. Be-doop. Yeah. 
And we're back. So what were we talking about? Yep. Uh, <laughs> Fundamentals. Sc- script, role play. Script, role play. So what I never realized until, I don't know. I mean, it's been a while, but like for a long time, I would just, I would, you know, look at scripts and practice scripts. But then I realized that role play is part of that too. Like role playing you actual. Mean with somebody else. Role play. Is that what you mean? Um, I don't mean that, but yes, uh, w- that's true. <laughs> you you can't, not everybody has two people in their head, Catherine. <laughs> no, but I was like, hey, that's actually like true. Reading scripts and learning them is one thing. And then you also need to role play with somebody else so that you can practice when you when people try to get you off track or what, they give you an objection. And what do we suggest if you're going to find a script practice partner? Well, well What's, what do we always Somebody suggest? who's one level ahead of you. Minimum. Yeah, well, yeah, I think so. Now, don't, I don't know what benefit it has don't to find somebody. I know, right? <laughs> don't find somebody. If you're a newer agent, don't find somebody who is sitting next to you uh, while you're taking your real estate exam to script and role play with. Find someone who's better than you. I, I, th- I think you have to. I It is hard, though, because then truly I was joking, but also serious. Like, what benefit to the other person? Some people like to pour into others that way, though. No, for sure. Yeah. I just mean... The, yes, you're going to find people who want to give back and mentor and all of those things. Yeah. If you can find that, that's a miracle yeah. situation. Find, find anybody, but your goal is to find somebody who's better than you. So I did one time, Um, I don't think, it, it, well, one time I had a script practice partner and I didn't ask anything about production level. I just found somebody who wanted to practice the type of script that I was trying to learn and master. And I, I really quickly learned that that person was not like they had never sold a home before. Mm-hmm. And so what that did was it made me um, it made me feel like through the scripts and stuff, I felt so advanced that I didn't feel like I was actually growing because I was more right. giving them feedback and helping them. Right. But that was because there was a big disparity. I mean, I had been in business 10 or 12 years at that point. That person had not done any sales. That's a huge difference. But if you can find somebody who's just a little bit above you, then you guys can both get something out of that relationship. Right. And and I also think it helps like what are you trying what is the the script you're trying to master and like work on that. Consistently, make, make sure you're both working on the same script. Yes, I think so too, and that might just be a personal thing, but make sure you're both practicing the same thing because then you can get like if I'm if I'm role playing with you, Kayla, and I want to practice for sale by owners, and you want to practice open house follow open house follow up, then I play open house buyer lead, and you're calling me, and you play a for sale by owner. I never get to hear the reverse yeah. of my for sale by owner script. So I think that's important when you're looking for yes. a role play, like practicing the same thing, finding somebody who's looking to master the same thing. Cause then also as they're out there lead generating, you can hey, see, guess what? This worked. Yeah. Like, or, Hey, I did this today and, and know, then I got an appointment. Right, right. And then you have like that immediate feedback of how it's working for somebody else too. So that's important. But what I was getting at earlier was, I meant role playing the actual presentation. Like, so scripts are for generally speaking leads. You, what presentation? You like about, listing like presentation. Li- oh, yeah. Like how you pace around the house and say it all out loud. Is that what you I mean? have to wait until Pat leaves. <laughs> and then I, it doesn't she do, always she's been work doing, out. She's, by the way, she's been doing this for years. This isn't like a, some new thing. She has her entire listing appointment 
scripted to a certain degree with, you know, like we were saying before, she's got all of her points and she memorizes the entire thing. And she gives herself objections. Yeah. You'd think that I would do a better job. You do a very good job. That's not that. (laughs) Silly. But I but that's what I meant is you have to role play presentation too. Um, not just script practice for leads. That's important, obviously, like scripts for lead generating, scripts for lead follow-up, but also the script and presentation of the actual appointment that has to be scheduled in. And the open house. That's a really big, Yeah, what are you going to say during the open house? That, that too. So there's lots of things you need scripts for, and but just don't forget to practice the actual presentation because once you get the appointment from learning those scripts really well, right? You want to make sure you can you do. You can hold the. Well, you can you can get them to sign the paperwork, right? <laughs> Paper sign. So so practicing and role playing, that the biggest part of that is has to be in your schedule. I never put that, and this is my like where I'm Seek seeking my best. my best. Um, I never put that role play of the presentation in my calendar. I just do it like as I'm preparing for the listing appointment. Right. But I think that if I would just put it in as a calendar block instead of doing it when I have an appointment, I'd probably be better at it because I would I would actually learn the I would I would internalize this the script and the key points right. better because sometimes I feel rushed. I'm yeah, like, if you're got a real quick practice this before I go out. Right. That's what I was going to say. I've seen you do that like where it's um oh, I've got a listing appointment at at five o'clock today and then at four o'clock you're kind of getting ready to go, getting dressed and, and it do, creates and, anxiety. And, yeah. And <laughs> you're kind of running through it in your head like and stuff. But what I've heard you say to me before about blocking out time to specifically go over it. Yeah. And then it's like that you've it. it I don't know how much of it is uh, a placebo or self-fulfilling prophecy, but if you have, if you, if you block out your time for that rehearsal, for lack of a better word, um, you, uh, you always do better during the appointment because you feel like you've gone over it. But if you're rushing around and kind of like going through it in your head and, and pacing around and trying to get ready and then I got to go, I've got to send an email real quick before I do it. You well, feel like, like you're running out of the house and I'm not prepared and and it's... it's Well, it's like cramming for a test. Right. It's like you listen to the teacher in the class and you sort of like, you know the material and stuff, but you didn't actually study until an hour before the test. That's, that's how I made it through high school. <laughs> I mean, yeah, not me, but not um, Catherine. She was a good girl. <laughs> but that is that's the same thing. And then you feel like exhausted and and anxious about the appointment because you were cramming at that last minute instead of purposefully planning every day to practice that so that when you go to the appointment, it is that like playtime. It's your time to sure you've got like to, show off, not show off, but well, like yeah, yeah, like. I mean, out, you know, beat out the competition. Improvise and be able to, because you know the script so well, you know the presentation so well that you can bounce all over the place and still come right back and hit your mark. One, one right? day. One Precise day. preparation prevents piss poor performance. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like, and they, I, I've heard this analogy a lot, but it's just like in sports, it's like, and what you were describing in art school, it, it, you practice 
like I played soccer in high school and when I was a kid and stuff, you you practice the same thing over and over and over again. You practice, you played soccer, right? Yeah, yeah. I hated those warm ups. Well, you did the same thing over and over and over again for a reason. Yeah, and, and then that I never, way, I didn't like painting still lifes. There was nothing <laughs> exciting about painting a bunch of bottles and oranges. Nothing uh, that I liked about it and stuff. But it's like if I had didn't do that every single day for four years, you know, then I wouldn't be able to know enough to be able to create my own style that looks and that I couldn't, I could invent my own way of doing things because I learned all those other fundamentals yeah to such a degree you don't even realize where that comes in to play it's like it's it's almost a um subconscious sort of thing it's like a second nature it's a it's muscle memory yeah it's all of those things you can't couldn't describe it to somebody like what where those all those fundamentals come in it just it just happens that's what being good at the fundamentals does is that it just becomes second nature you don't think about it and it allows you to go and experiment and to uh, kind of improvise because you don't have to think about the fundamentals because your your hands and, and mind are doing that all by themselves without you thinking about it. Yeah. And the same is true with the scripts. Yeah. Become so internalized and so muscle memory that you can go and talk about uh, hot air balloon riding and go, and go off there and your mind can go and be fully engaged in that with the with the client and then you can come right back to the next step because it's so internalized hot air balloon i don't know i was just thinking like (laughs) i was just thinking about how like you can like if you don't have them if you don't have the script so internalized that even when they start when they start pulling you away from the conversation you can only sort of half listen and you're trying to get them back to the to the script really quick before you you lose them because you don't want to lose your place and and all of those things but when it becomes so second nature you can kind of go off and talk about anything you want and you will just naturally bring the conversation back to the script and I know and, and that whole thing of well it doesn't feel natural and it doesn't it's because it's not internalized well yeah like people um when you get the we talk about personality types a lot when you get those people in the room where they're high eye and they start talking because they want to they want to talk. They don't actually want to be uh, like talking about selling their house and you get them. They start talking about their family and um, socializing and all of those different things and telling you stories about the house itself. I do feel like I, I've gotten to a point where I can like I can completely engage in that conversation. Right. I don't have to think you about where to, to go tethered, next. Tethered to the to the script. Yeah partially so that you're only kind of half listening and then and what ends up happening is you come off like robotic and kind of and kind of like a weirdo yeah if you if you're trying to hold on to that script something like somebody's talking about the house and and they're like yeah our family built this from the ground up and then you'd be like and so when when are you gonna move (laughs) (laughs) i was gonna say so when did they replace this roof last right (laughs) i'm just kidding (laughs) yeah but yeah i mean that's that's the kind of thing that happens and the only way that you can do that is through script and role play and practice that's funny that that all comes up because level one listening and level two listening is something that i've been studying lately and level one listening is when you're thinking about what you need to say next what can you hear me (laughs) No, oh. I, was just, I was teasing. <laughs> level yeah, zero but. listening. Okay, <laughs> I get it. <laughs> but level two listening is when you have something internalized so much and that you can engage in the conversation That's no matter exactly. where they are, yes. but you can still get to your point. That's well, exactly what I was talking level about. Level two listening. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where well, is that? I, um, Coactive coaching. It's my coaching program oh, okay. now. 
Well, but isn't that so important if you're talking to people and you're trying to build, like people want to work with people they like? Mm-hmm. Well, how do you get them to like you? You show interest and engage in the conversation and really truly listen. Right. But still be the professional. Yeah. Yeah. And if you don't know the script, you can't really truly listen because you're too afraid that you're going to get off script. Yep. And then that's when you come off as robotic. Or Whether you're, you're not- on the phone. Well, this is in person or on the phone. Either or way. you're or you're level two listening, but you're not you're not uh, you forget to ask a bunch of stuff well, and leave you, because you you were so engaged in their right. conversation that you never actually got to the point that was necessary. Right, because it's the script <laughs> isn't internalized to where yeah. it's working in the background. Yeah, yeah, right. Mm-hmm. That, you need you level to, one in it, order to level two to work. Right. So, you know, one of the things that so once once you kind of embrace scripts and understand that they're really key to the sales side because it's not you're not telling people to do things. You're asking them questions and guiding them through to say yes to whatever that outcome is. Once you embrace that for that, then you also realize that it's really handy for all parts of business. And so mm-hmm. that's what Kayla was I talking. thought you were going to say all parts of life and, and then to find out that I've been, <laughs> You've been, I've been scripted. scripted all the way through this whole thing. Um, no, the twist. <laughs> uh, but no, but we, we incorporate and Kayla has scripts written out for all parts of a transaction, mm-hmm. for all parts of a listing. And then all parts of somebody just calling into the office. You don't know what right. they're calling for. Right. But it's like, the same script to start. If you're going to answer questions. the phone or talk to a client about something that has uh, that needs an outcome, you should have a script outline for it. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. If this then that. Y'all. <laughs> Wouldn't you agree? That was not that impressed was with that. <laughs> it's like, I don't agree, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so we, we've got that now all on the, the operation side of things, too. And it does it does two things. Number one, it's you want consistency. Mm-hmm. But we talked about consistency in your sales business. Scripts will do that too. But consistency with the consumer experience. And the con- communication to them. Yeah. the commu- We want, if I'm talking to them, I want it to sound the same as when Kayla's talking to them. I want them to get, not only have the same experience, like they hear the same things and even the same kind of language, yeah. but also the same key points every time there's a specific call that needs to be made. It's consistency. It's what makes a duplicatable experience so that when we hire the next person, we can show them and make them learn these things and make them practice with us, force them to practice with us, whether Mm -hmm. they like it or not, so that they internalize it so that when they're talking to one of our clients and representing the brand, we talked about Chick-fil-A script last week, that's part of their brand. This becomes like the language, the way we treat people, the way we talk to people and how we handle those conversations becomes part of that experience and part of the brand too. Always happy to help. (laughs) I know you've got your little tagline in the... Yep. My email too. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I'm not always happy to help. No, I'm just kidding. I'm always happy to help. I'm the optimistic one. (laughs) So they can be used for every facet of the business. And it's so it's no wonder that it's one of the top priorities that you should have as a real estate agent. Kayla, do you want to talk any more about the operation scripts? Operation scripts were (laughs) scary in the beginning. Why was it scary? The same thing, like the whole robotic side of it. And also I think it was all a personal thing, like, I didn't understand what I needed to do and I needed to understand the fundamentals first. And unfortunately, I just had to fail forward each time I did it. And then I got too embarrassed. So then I nailed it down and you got me on scripts. 
<laughs> but when you have somebody else doing it, I don't want them to feel that way because I can't confidently say that they're going to be able to fail forward and then seek their best after they failed. So to provide them with the scripts is super important. And if I can't lead myself in a script, I can't lead them in a script. Right. Well, that's so why you I, feel like you had to. I have to step up and own it. Yeah. Knowing that the company was going to grow, the only way for you to teach somebody new how the scripts work and how everything works is for you to have have it mastered. Yes. And I was also very annoyed after I think a year with you of still sending you just every call, including the sales calls. So the salespeople were the ones I wanted to like nail down the most because I didn't like to be played and they played me with their own language to get to you. You're talking about other agents trying to get not agents, like people selling us things, oh, oh, marketing, oh, oh, right, going right, in the right. magazines and right, stuff. Right, right, right. I need, I, I need to talk to Catherine. I know. How, how did Kayla stick around after a year of not being able to? I, could, I don't know. I was, I mean, she every time the cracks. Just, near the end, it was like once I'd sent it through, I'm like, no, ah, I, that was a sales call. I know that was a sales call. And then I just built the confidence around, okay, how do I stop yeah. this call? Because she doesn't want, she's not I know gonna what buy, Catherine's going to say. Yeah, she's not going to buy any of this stuff anyway. Yeah. So. <laughs> you just say, Catherine doesn't like to spend money yeah. on this kind of stuff. <laughs> so um. now I say, well, I, I'm the one who operates the budget, so I definitely am the one you want to speak to. And for right now, we have finalized quarter three. So if you want to follow up at the end of quarter four, we can see what it looks right. like for quarter two next year. And just even, and uh, uh, a lot of times you're talking to a sales rep for whatever it is and you know they don't have the scripts memorized or internalized their scripts necessarily and when you're hitting them with your script of quarter two or quarter three they're like what they're like what oh <laughs> this is oh she is the person that i'm supposed to be talking to and i don't have my stuff together well, enough to even go like i don't combat that objection. like what do i do yeah. yeah there's an i'm getting an objection of uh call me at the end of quarter four um and so I guess I say, okay. Yeah. And that's what they <laughs> right? say. Thank you so much. They don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, I was just thinking. Like a chess game. When you mm-hmm. do get a sales call that like if you have a conversation with someone and it goes really well, like pay attention. I remember having a sales call. I did not buy the product, but <laughs> but I was almost convinced he was very, very good. And the reason was because he really did exactly what we're told to do, but somehow people immediately get off track, which is ask questions, but they were not closed-ended questions or yeah, they weren't closed-ended questions. They were open. They were open and he was really personable and likable and I could tell like he joked a little bit and it just felt like a natural conversation with somebody that I would want to talk to on the phone. So be yourself. But the point is, is that he got all the information he was looking for. He almost set an appointment and so I just kind of like I, I listened as he was talking and just listening for how he was handling those questions and why I was still on the phone with him. Well, so and, and we you just can learn said, something from salespeople. And he probably has, he probably made three other uh, deals that day because we just said you're impossible to uh, sell to on the phone and you certainly don't make a decision on the phone of yes I'm going to do that I need to see everything uh, you are we've said a million times you are not the person who would ever sign the listing paperwork in the listing presentation well and, and so so, so the fact that he even got close to getting you is I consider that a win for him. I do too and uh you should know that like we talk about personality types there are people who will not they will not meet with you they will not set an appointment with you they will not do that on your first call which is why we also say it's all in the follow-up fortune is in the follow-up 
So, but you've got to, to have those conversations work and eventually get to the result. You still have to know your scripts inside and out. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You guys ready to take a break? Sure. Yeah. All right. Let's take a break. The Think Live B team is an Orlando-based real estate team with Keller Williams Realty at the Parks. We operate as a boutique-style company with the resources of the largest real estate company behind us. Think Live B is looking for talented people like you to join our team. If you happen to live in the Orlando area and you're a detail-oriented quick learner, then we might have a place for you. Whether you're a real estate agent or administrative professional, we are looking for individuals who are ready to work hard and ready for success. If you're ready to join the team, visit us at thinklivebee.com. And we're back. <laughs> that was dramatic. I know. What's next? Why do you know? Why do you know? I did and I've traveled the world. Hey, what do you know? Which one is this one? This is in this segment. What do you know? Kat and Kayla will compete by guessing the answer to my main painstakingly researched questions. Oh. Whoever is the closest wins. This game is closest to the pin rules, not prices right rules. You can go over and still win. If you get it right on the nose, you get double points. All right, let's Are do you it. reading a script? It, he does have a script. <laughs> I have a script in front of me, too. <laughs> You think I have intro. that memorized? I have, a, I have, a, I, yeah, no, I, I, I know it. Everything. I know it now, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so Catherine, you have eight wins. Oh. Kayla has one. One oh, baby. Man. This isn't even woo, fair. Woo, woo. You better. Um, <laughs> you need a, a string of 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 wins. Go Buffalo. I mean, <laughs> I don't know why I said that. Okay. Okay. Our dogs deserve all the love and affection we can give them, which is why there's a special day dedicated just to hugging them. It's April 10th, which is today. (gasps) Uh, National. My dog isn't with me. He's in Naples. Oh, no. It's National Hug Your Dog Day. Aw. Hugging your dog (laughs) releases a hormone in both pups and person called oxytocin, informally referred to as the cuddle hormone. Not only does a good tight squeeze strengthen your bond, it shows your pet that you care. Today is a day to celebrate your dog for all they do, and so day- today's theme is dogs. I, love dogs. I think it's oxytocin. Oxytocin. I think you're right. What'd I say? <laughs> Oxytocin. Oh, yeah. No, that's not right. <laughs> oxytocin. Um, I love... Is there... I wonder if the same thing is true. I like to like put my dog's face against my face. <laughs> And rub. Um, like what a cat does to you because they show, that's how they show affection. I just love to get yeah, really she, close. She pushes her face she right loves as hard as she can. Pat's <laughs> scruffy beard. Yeah, she, <laughs> okay. Like a bear you guys ready? Tree. <laughs> Question number one. Okay. Considered highly intelligent, extremely energetic, acrobatic, and athletic, they frequently compete with great success in sheepdog trials and dog sports. They are often cited as the most intelligent of all domestic dogs. Border Collies continue to be employed in their traditional work of herding livestock throughout the world and are kept as pets. To find out whether there was a limit to the number of words a Border Collie could learn, psychologists Allison Reed and John Piley of Wofford College in Spartanburg, South Carolina, started an intensive training program with Chaser. 
Chaser began to understand that objects have names at five months of age. At this point, she became able to pair a novel object with a novel, novel name in one trial, although rehearsal was necessary to log it into her long-term memory. She recognized common nouns such as house, tree, and ball, as well as adverbs, verbs, and prepositional objects. Based on that learning, she and her owner and trainer, Piley, continued her training, demonstrating her ability to understand sentences involving multiple elements of grammar and to learn new behaviors by imitation. Chase holds the world record excuse me, for the largest tested memory of any non-human animal. How many toys does Chaser recognize by name? Oh, wow. By name. So go get your panda. Go get Bisco- your... Biscotti is our dog, and she has a little panda toy and she loves it so much Aww. and we can say go get your panda and she'll go look around she's looking for that specific yeah, one um gage knows chicken and cheese <laughs> <laughs> um how many words you said or how many uh, toys how many, how many toys, toys does she know by name so by saying the name of the toy you know sea of toys i'm gonna guess go first pull that one toy out okay. i'm gonna say 250 wow i got 425 1,022. Oh. Kayla got that one. That's insane. That's yeah. a lot. That is a lot. Think I don't about, know if I know that. That's what I, I was going to say. If you had 1,000 toys, would you know the name of all of those toys? I don't. can't even remember the name of 10 people. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Yeah. It's a dog. Oh. Smart. Okay, Smart. so Kayla got that one. Question number two. Two out of every three American homes include a pet. And 393 million pets live in the United States. Pet ownership has increased 20% since 1988. Outpacing that growth is pet owner spending, especially in matters of pet health. Dogs, cats, and fish are the most popular pets, though preferences for breeds and types of animals vary across regions. Generation X and millennials make up more than two-thirds of all pet owners in the United States. What percent of American households have a dog? Can you repeat, was there a percentage of how many owned pets? No, it's 393 million pets live in the United States. Oh, man. Kayla, you have to go first on this one. Um, what a percentage? Percentage that of American families households that have a dog. Oh, okay. I'm going to say sixty five percent. Okay. I'm going to say oh darn. <laughs> um, it should be a hundred percent. Dogs are the best. Um, I guess I'm going to say seventy two percent. It's. 53%. Wow. I almost really? said I almost said 50%. That's still a lot. Almost said 50 because all these cat owners. <laughs> it's like a war, 50-50. <laughs> okay, it's Kayla a, might win this one. It's yes. that's a 63.4 million. Dogs households. are great. <laughs> 63 should be higher. million households. The ancient skeletal remains of a dog identified as being of the Greyhound Saluki form was excavated in Tel Brak in modern Syria and dated from approximately 4,000 years ago. An archaeological find in the Czech Republic dating from the 8th to 9th century CE and anatomically defined as those of a 70 centimeter high greyhound were also genetically compared with the modern greyhound and other sighthounds and found to be almost completely identical with the modern breed of the greyhound. 
making this the oldest genetically determined record of the modern breed and possibly of any modern breed. Greyhounds have higher levels of red blood cells than any other breed of dog. Since red blood cells carry oxygen to their muscles, this higher level allows the hound to move larger quantities of oxygen faster from the lungs to the muscles. This is one of the reasons that greyhounds are the fastest canine. What is the top speed of a greyhound? Oh, man. Okay. I'm going to say 45 miles per hour. Kayla? Dang. I don't think that's really. Right. <laughs> I was going to say 80. Paul was talking in the microphone. A- 80, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> the top speed? Somebody got it right on the mo- nose. It's me. It's Catherine. <laughs> 45 miles an hour. Well, I knew it couldn't be really? that because isn't um, a cheetah is sixty? But I would just like they sound very fast in the description you shared. But it isn't a is it a cheetah or a? It's a cheetah. I actually have a little fact here. Oh, okay. um, while he is going at full tilt, the dog's heart rate can rise to three hundred and three hundred and sixty beats per minute. Cheapers. This means that the greyhound's heart can contract and refill with blood five times per second during a race, allowing oxygen to be transported at a phenomenal rate to supply the needs of the muscles. His ability to reach top speed quickly is amazing. At maximum acceleration, a Greyhound can reach a speed of 45 miles per hour within its first six strides from a standing start. No other land animal except the cheetah has that degree of acceleration. At first, I wanted to say 149, but I rationalized myself. (sighs) I was like, that's pretty fast. Wait, so now we're tied because I got two points. (laughs) That's a load of baloney. Yep, it's all tied up. <laughs> okay, what, do we have a tiebreaker question? We, we're, we, we have question number uh, four. Five. Oh, okay. Four. I don't know. What I don't know where we are. I'm sweating. Dogs now. can detect some odors in parts per trillion. In her book, Inside of a Dog, Alexandria Horowitz, a dog cognitive researcher at Barnard College, writes that while we might notice if our coffee has a teaspoon of sugar added to it, a dog could detect a teaspoon of sugar in a million gallons of water or two Olympic-sized pools worth. Another dog scientist likened their ability to catching a whiff of one rotten apple in two million barrels. The size of the nose matters. The longer the snout, the better the scent finders. Humans have six million smell receptors. How many smell receptors does a German Shepherd have? Ooh, those are good dogs. Wait, say that. Humans have six million smell receptors. How many smell receptors does a German Shepherd have? Okay. I go first this time, right? I think so. 18 million. 20 million. They have 300 million smell receptors. damn. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. 300 million? 300 million. Can I just say, so our, our dog, Biscotti, is an Italian greyhound, and um, so she's got a little long snout, and sometimes she'll just be sitting next to me, and she's just... Sniffing up like, in the air, like, and you're what like, you, "What? What do you like, smell?" I wonder, it's like something from around the corner. Outside. I wonder, like, how far that smell is that she's interested in. I'm yeah. gonna wear deodorant. Well, they, I one. said, it, the smell. Uh, one of the things I saw was they could, for as far as a human can see, can see. If you transfer that into smell for a dog, it would be as if the dog could see three thousand miles away. Oh wow! So, however, that kind of that's that's what that's, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, okay. So I won? Nope. We nope. have one more one question. More. Oh, wait, no. But I was closest. You got yes. that one. Oh, you won that one. Yeah. So yes. I, very far so away. So you, e- you guys are either going to get to a tie today. Okay. Or um, 
or Catherine's going to win. Or I'm win. <laughs> so you better get this one right, Kayla. <laughs> Carlota Lieberstein was a German countess who had a multi-million dollar fortune. She never had any children, but she cherished her pet dogs throughout her lifetime. She willed her entire fortune to her dog, Gunther III. When Gunther III passed away, the inheritance was passed along to his son, Gunther IV. Over the years, Gunther's caretakers have accumulated even more wealth for the dog through strategic investments and surprising ventures. Gunther IV is the wealthiest dog in the world. What is his net worth? Hold on. I love that his name is Gunther. If a dog... Okay. So, okay. So, what is his wealth? What did she do again? She was a, She was a German countess. Oh, man. Um, I don't know how much money countesses have. I know. This is uh, kind of a, just a wild guess. Okay. All right, I've got mine. Uh, okay. Go I'm going to say his net worth is $350 million. $650 million. I was Catherine got that one. Are you kidding me? It's three hundred and seventy-three. What? Million. You're well, close. Got it on the nose. You're okay. close. Winner. Yeah. So Catherine. Is that winner. the first time she got one on the nose? No, it's the second time. Yeah. So this okay. says. Uh, by the there way, Gun- something going on here. <laughs> by the way, Gunther the Fourth is supposedly twenty-eight years old today, but the average lifespan of a German Shepherd is ten to thirteen years. So wow. it's likely that it's actually Gunther five or six by now. But the dog is still referred to as Gunther the Fourth. Gunther owns a number of properties, including several villas in Italy, properties in the Bahamas, and a German estate. I'm His- gonna get a female German Shepherd, and they're gonna get married. <laughs> His- <sighs> His highest profile purchase came in the year 2000 when he purchased a $7.5 million mansion from Madonna in Miami. The Gunther Corporation also looked into buying Sylvester Stallone's $27 million Miami villa before deciding on Madonna's mansion. The 7,000 square foot Mediterranean style home has nine bedrooms and eight and a half bathrooms. It was purchased by a group that called themselves the... Uh, Burgadanians, who revealed Gunther as their mystery investor in a press conference after the sales sale had been finalized. When my aunt, when in Miami, Gunther mainly stays in the master bedroom while the rest of the house is rented out for movie and television shoots. This is just one way that Gunther's net worth steadily increases. I was, I was like, where does he stay? You answered he it. Sleeps in the master bedroom. I mean, it makes sense. It's his house, yeah, right? <laughs> That's crazy. <laughs> Oh man, people! This world never ceases to amaze. Now I want to be a dog. <laughs> Small win. I'll go first. Okay. Mine is like mine's business related. You know, we finally we got a buyer under contract um, that we'd been working at for a while and kept getting beat out by cash offers. And we finally got them under contract and we had to kind of, you know, you have to make like these crazy terms to make it work. And so we had to basically remove their appraisal contingency completely and then get it done during their inspection period instead and that was a really tight window and we got it in and it came in above value. Woo! So I'm very happy that that happened. Good job. You have good partners, lenders. Well, and that's that's the key. And because we did the same thing with another party. Um, same time the frame same too. same exact day, the yep. same exact strategy, the same exact um, time frame to get it done. And that one did not come in. So we had to ask for an extension. So, um, so it does matter who those lenders are that you can rely on 
to like, I know that we can, when they're working with certain people, I know what strategies we can put into place to get their offers accepted because I know it'll work. I know that that other, that lender will make sure that it happens for us. So good, good vendor relationships are the key to real estate success. And small wins. Well, maybe, small win. maybe one part of it. Yeah. <laughs> Kayla? My small win was that... I went to Asheville and it was nice. Oh yeah. I don't think I shared that as my small win. Um no. Yeah, I don't think so because you weren't here last week. Yeah. So, so. having a nice trip in Asheville and the Black Ridge Mountains. I went Black zip, Mountain. Black Mountain. I went um or Blue, Blue Ridge, Ridge Mountains. Mountains. What the heck? And it's Black Mountain. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to correct you guys, but you just <laughs> I don't want to be now. right. I just want to be correct. <laughs> but that was it was very nice um to go into like to see the falls and to just be in nature because that's something that isn't Sean's cup of tea. So for him to plan a trip without me having any input and it be almost exactly everything that I would make on a list was awesome. Nice. Nice. Score. And mine is like a, a little tip, my small win this week. Um, for Christmas this past year, Catherine got me this uh, way to cook steak. It's called souvé. Right, which is a French. I think it's sous vide. Sous vide. It's <laughs> oh a, my gosh, I sound like a terrible person. Yeah, <laughs> you can see this is what my life is like. Um, and it's basically a. It's this thing called Juul, where you put it in a giant pot of water, and it's a heater, and then you put the steaks in a bag, in an airtight bag, and you put them in the big pot of water and it's all hooked up to an app and stuff and you say I want the filet to be medium rare at this temperature and it cooks it in the it boils it in this water at the certain temperature so that it's cooked perfectly and then it just tells you when it's done and it can actually still float in that water for like up to an hour and then you just take it out dry it off and then put a sear on it with a uh by using a cast iron skillet like one minute per side and a super hot pan and it cooks the, the perfect sounds, steak it it cooks the the best I, most perfect steak i've ever had yeah it's stress-free because you know if you if you buy a 20 dollars steak um oh is it going to be overdone is it going to be underdone i can't tell and you don't want to stick a knife in it and cut it open because then it'll all the moisture will dry. leak out of it and it'll be all dry this works perfectly every single time and you can get it. I mean, you can dial in to the rareness that you want it done to. It was, I said the other day, I mean, that's restaurant quality. Like, oh, yeah. I don't think I've had a steak that good, like at, at a home. restaurant. Yeah. No, well, uh, at yeah. a restaurant. Yeah. I mean, it is absolutely. Much less at home. It, it has, so yeah. I mean, it, it, when you open up the app and stuff and you're like, oh, uh, I want it to be medium rare. There's like three different versions of medium rare. And you can, and they show you the picture, like what you want it to look like on the inside. And you just click the button and then it says, okay, that steak will be done in 45 minutes or an hour because you tell it how tall the steak is. Is it an inch? Is it an inch and a half? Is it two inches? How, whatever it is, you put all the information in and it just does it right there. And the best, best part about it is that if you're cooking all the other stuff, potatoes or, or, or asparagus or whatever else, um, 
and the steak is done before you're ready with that stuff, it can just stay in that water until you're ready. So there's no like rushing around. Oh, the steak is done. I've got to run out to the grill and I've got to come back in and it's, well, the asparagus isn't done yet. It's, it takes all that stress out of it. And I know it's a, like kind of an expensive thing, but it's worth every nickel. Sounds I suggest everybody it, yeah. buy one. I mean, you, when you go to the restaurant, you spend like a hundred bucks for one steak. Yeah. If it's better is, than the restaurant. Like, yeah. I, I mean, and I, we went to, um, we've been to fancy steak restaurants. Yeah, we've been to fancy steak and restaurants. And I, I am particular on my steak too, but I mean, this was like one Good. of the best I've ever had. So. Yeah. Good so. job. That's a small win for me too. Yeah, it's a small win for the podcast. (laughs) Hey guys, remember to rate and review us on iTunes. It really helps new listeners to find us. You can also send questions or stories to us at our website on seekingthebest.com and you can even leave us a voicemail and we will play it on the show. Send us a tweet at seekthebestpod and for Kat, Kayla, and myself, thanks for listening and we'll figure this all out next week. Adios. Bye. This has been a Think Live Be production.